0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Guys, it has been an incredible week. i got to ask you something right off the bat. Have you ever had your uvula swell up, the, the punching bag thing in the back of your throat? Has that ever happened to either of y'all?
1: You know, JC, I think I've had everything happen humanly possible, and I'm such a, such a hypochondriac that I've thought a lot of things happen, were happening that really didn't happen, but I don't think I've ever had that happen.
0: Nate?
2: No, no, I've never had that happen, that I know of. But Brian, it will happen to you this week. It's it's yeah, going to you're happen. You're gonna get it. Brian will be texting me saying, "Man, I I don't know. There's this new sensation in the back <laughs> of my throat." <laughs>
0: Listen, you'll know because it'll. you can flop it up on your tongue. It's the most awkward feeling in the world. Listen, when I get really exhausted, I don't know if it's the pollen or if it's because I sleep really hard when I'm exhausted and I snore a lot. When I left Danville, Virginia the other night, I stopped at a hotel, and I literally walked in, laid down on the bed, had my phone in my hand. I FaceTimed my wife. I fell asleep, woke up seven hours later. I hadn't moved. I didn't turn on the TV. I didn't take a shower. I literally fell asleep, woke up. The uvula, the punching bag thing in the back of my throat, was swollen. And then two nights ago, it happened again. And I was like, what is going on? It's, it's the most awkward feeling in the world. It's, it's, it's weird.
1: Have you ever been into a barn and you've seen, like, those tape things that hang down and they, they attract flies and the flies are, like, all stuck to the tape? Yeah. Well, apparently, that thing that, mm. that hang you down in the back of your throat attracts pollen and so you must be like you're the pollinator i think well, that might be it
0: either that <laughs> either that or i just snore like a pig digging for roots and the poor thing's just getting beat to death i don't know what's going on <laughs> hey, i'm interested though if you if one of our listeners if that's ever happened to you i actually saw a doctor and he said it's called uvulitis. so i'm interested has that ever happened to any of our listeners your uvula has swollen up when you woke up in the morning. This oh, is like well. a
2: science episode. People never thought I they would learn these things on the RFP. Hey, hey we're going to help somebody not have a panic attack
0: when their uvula is swollen in the morning. <laughs>
1: hey, JC, will you do me a favor? What's that? Will you please go to a faith healing service and ask <laughs> the evangelist <laughs> to lay his hands on it?
0: Please. <laughs> I got a
1: swollen uvula. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you need look, you need to go up to the evangelist
0: and say, Oh, (laughs) 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 Oh, goodness. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors here at the RFP Free Life Soap. You can go to recoveringfundamentalist.org, click on the Free Life Soap tab, use your promo code RFP, and get 20% off of your order. Guys, we got a really cool email this week uh, from... A individual who is a student at Golden State Baptist College. We shared this on uh, our social media, but I want to read this on here for those that aren't on our social media. Uh, it said, I am a student at Golden State Baptist College, and I obviously was required to attend the camp meeting this year. I've noticed a few things that I knew weren't in the Bible that these preachers had preached before, but because of the way I was raised, I never questioned anything. Well, this year was totally different. It felt as if I had woken up and realized what a gross misrepresentation of Christ this preaching was. The more I read and studied, the more I knew uh, that the God they were talking about was not the God I know. I said all that to say this, finding out that you've basically been lied to the past 22 years is a hard pill to swallow. I can't thank you all enough for this podcast. I found it right when God knew I needed to hear from other Christians that had made it through these doubts and struggles and still remained happy Christians. This truly is a ministry, and it has helped me more than I could ever say.
1: Man, praise the
0: Lord!
2: That's incredible.
0: So good. That is and, really. And there awesome. are
2: people online that are going after this person and trying to make accusations. And the funny thing is, they don't even know who it is, but they right. automatically assume that they're, you know, just totally wrong and not believing in God and assuming the worst about them. The crazy thing is this is not the only message we've gotten like this. We've gotten hundreds of these messages from college students, from all different types of people. And it's just just encouraging knowing that what we're doing is making a difference in people's lives. And the thing I love about that email is they said that they were going deeper in Scripture and studying it for themselves. And there were pastors online that attacked them for saying that. That is what the Bereans did, and Paul commended Mm. them for that. Go to the Scripture and see if what your pastor is saying is true. I Mm. love it.
1: Of course they get angry when somebody actually studies the Bible for themselves because then that proves that the Holy Spirit of God can guide you into truth, and there isn't this man of God Mm. who receives secret messages from God that you could never comprehend or
0: understand.
2: You're right. Hey, speaking of man of God, I just have to. Uh, I feel like can this be like a personal confessional? Just, just. We've already talked my, about
0: my swollen uvula. So go two ahead. Two of
2: my closest friends, and well, three now with the guy we're interviewing today, and then you know all of our listeners. I just feel like I need to clear the air. Today was my final Sunday at Hope Church in Trenton as the yeah. lead teaching pastor, and it, very, very sad, very bittersweet. Awesome service today, but. Two things that I think you guys need to know about me, okay? Number one, I, I signed someone's Bible today. Oh my gosh! <laughs> there was there was a, a precious, sweet elderly saint in our church, and you she asked me to, know to sign the her. The podcast Bible. has
0: gone to his and brain. I can freaking
2: so hear it now. I trust me, I didn't sign it. Like I, I basically wrote her a note, just said how much she meant to me and my family, and then I signed my name at the bottom. So that's there. But the other, thing is, the other thing is another dear family got me a, a coffee cup, which was really cool. It said, be careful, you might end up in one of my sermons. That's like my new favorite coffee cup. It's really cool. But the <laughs> other thing that got me was a pen that says, does anybody want to guess? Man, Man of, God. of God. Yes. So I have a Man of God pen, and I may sign someone else's Bible with that very pen. How how awesome would that be?
0: Gospel Light has no idea what they're getting. <laughs> I'm leaving I'm leaving the RFP. Look, we get a whole freaking year and he signs a Bible.
1: Listen, we we get we get a letter from a college student that they're progressing and then we get a a confessional Uh. from Nathan that he's digressing.
2: Hey, what in the what,
1: world is going? Nathan, is it your injured tongue? Because JC's <laughs> having problems with his swollen uvula, and you're you have a, an injury on your tongue.
2: Yes, I do. I actually, you know how you bite your tongue occasionally. Man, I gashed the side of my tongue. It's in two pieces right now. I mean, that's it's disgusting. it's horrible. But yeah, yeah, it's try preaching with that, man. It's it's really hard. I I think we're being attacked by Satan. I think that's what's mm. happened. He's coming against <laughs> us and attacking the the. Parts of our mouth that we use to communicate the gospel. That's that's what I'm going with.
0: Watch out for your face, Brian. It's going to be your moneymaker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, no no danger in that. But oh, you know, man. when when I put that tweet out about you know guys signing Bibles as if they wrote a single word in it, I didn't know that was going to become a thing. Unbelievable. But you wouldn't believe how often people get in touch with me now and send me messages and. And people joke about that. I didn't know that was going to become a thing, but uh, I guess I'm going to be known as the anti-Bible signer. I wasn't really going for that.
0: Brian, have you ever signed a Bible?
1: Yes, I have. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I used to be really – listen, since Nathan confessed, I'll confess something. (laughs) When I was a young preacher and I started getting invited to revivals, I took sheets and sheets of paper Mm -hmm. and rehearsed signing a signature – until I, I got to the coolest one to where I signed the B on the top and then brought the E out of the B and signed my name like that and then put John 3.30. So how, how, how strange <laughs> is this? He must increase, I must decrease. Let me put my name in your Bible.
0: Exactly. That's the exact verse that I used to use all the time as well, John That's 3.30. Awesome. I,
1: oh, I was a spiritual giant. I had the brain of a slug.
0: Man, I, I was, I travailed over what verse to put with my signature growing up. Like, because I had always grew up mm. in this culture where people would sign my Bibles. And then when I started doing these youth rallies and stuff, teenagers would come up and hand me their Bible and I'm signing their Bible. And I went about uh, bought like a, I got like a cross Bailey roller bin pin. It was like a $150 pen. And I thought I was something mm. else, man. man. And then I got convicted when I, I put John three thirty. In a Bible, right there, and it was kind of cool because I was like, "Look at this, Lee Robertson. Here's Steve Robertson. Here's Jamie Ragle, J.C. Groves. Look at that. Makes me want to puke."
1: <laughs> hey, your pen might have cost 130 bucks, but it didn't say "Man of God."
0: No, it yes, didn't. It was exactly. a it was a homeschool signature. We'll just go with that. So. <laughs> Hey, coming up in just a few weeks, guys, I am absolutely excited about these meetups uh, that are going to be taking place here in Statesboro, Georgia, on Friday night, June the 4th, and also in Bourbon, Missouri, August 26th, 27th, and 28th. It's going to be an incredible time hanging out with our friends who have really become like family.
1: Yeah, I think those meetups are going to be amazing, and and two, it's at those meetups that you get to hear the stories of people whose lives have been changed face-to-face, and, and there's no replacement for that. I, I know um, when, when I arrived in Vegas, Nathan was so fired up because of all of the people who had already approached him, and so he came to me, and he was excited. His excitement got me excited. Then I started hearing testimonies, and I got excited.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, and we got some numbers the other day. Just tonight, the real MVP sent us some numbers and said that people are already signing up for both of the mm-hmm. uh, meetups. So we're looking forward to seeing you guys there and hanging out with you and hearing some more stories and sharing some of our stories. Who knows what's going to happen, but it's going to be awesome.
0: We literally love hanging out with these folks. I mean, just getting to be with a lot of those guys in Vegas and going to dinner with them and just laughing and being around people that get you, that you understand, that you can talk. And so I'm excited to be part of uh, just the the weekends, getting to hang out with some pretty cool people.
1: Yeah, the RFP is definitely a ministry for all three of us. I know that's true.
0: That's it. Well, speaking of ministries, I'm excited about today's episode. We've got an incredible young man on the podcast uh, who I've never had the privilege of meeting. You two have had the privilege of meeting in person. Uh, but Hunter Strength is on the show today with a very unique story. And uh, I think we need to go ahead and jump right into it. Y'all ready? I'm ready. Let's go.
2: You know what makes women stupid is called Jesus was not a bartender. back Two. You have lost your mind. Long-tongued
0: heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches, and you know that. Say amen right
3: like there. One.
0: Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy put puts on a
3: pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb when I was 14 years of age. Tie back.
0: Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. We're your hosts, Brian Edwards, Nathan Gravatt, I'm J.C. Groves.
1: You know, J.C., uh, this week I had a great experience. I met a guy who who testified that his life has been changed by the ministry of the RFP and, of course, by the Lord working in his life. Uh, God has been changing his life, but he told me this story that happened several years ago in the church that he attended. Uh, There was a young girl in the church who was pregnant and she wasn't married. And the pastor literally forced her to come up and to stand at the communion table during the entire service while he preached an entire sermon about her sin, called her various names, belittled her, demeaned her as this 16, 17 year old girl stood in front of the communion table and wept like the like a baby the entire time that she was being humiliated. And she left that service and would not darken the door of a church building again. I don't blame her for that. But you know, I know that we get accused of a lot of things and a lot of people say bad things about us. But if we can deliver people from those kind of situations, help people avoid those kind of situations, and if... We can say to the people who have experienced those kind of situations, that was a man, that wasn't Jesus. That's not the way God loves. If we can restore the brokenhearted and we can help those who would be brokenhearted or led into error, guys, I love what God is using us to do and let people launch grenades, do whatever they're going to do, let them verbally assault we know that what we're doing is making a difference and that our desire is to make a difference that honors and glorifies God in the lives of people.
2: Yeah, Amen. I've had a lot of pastors let me down. I've had a lot of church members let me down, but Christ has never let me down. And uh, I'm a Christian because I'm a follower of Christ. And there are so many people that we've had the opportunity to point back to Christ. And Brian, that's that's a typical story, sadly. But, uh, and and we had some exchanges on Twitter this week with people saying that, oh, there's just a few people that are doing that. Man, come on. you you got to be kidding me. Why is this resonating with so many people? This is happening out there, and it happens more broadly than people want to admit, and, and I'm thankful that God is using us to set people free. Amen. And I'm real excited about interviewing my good buddy Hunter Strength today. Brian, this is another one of my friends that you introduced me to.
1: You know, I think, Nathan, one of these days you're going to have to take me to Champions Chicken and buy me a plate of chicken for all of the great people God's allowed me to introduce you to. And, uh, and hey, you carry your own weight because once they meet you, they love you.
2: Well, hey, I, I owe you quite a few Champies dinners because you've introduced me to a lot of people.
0: You've never introduced me to anybody. <laughs> yes, I
1: did. <laughs> Who? I, inter- I introduced you to my daughter. Jonathan Wright, I introduced you to Clint Connor. I introduced you to several people the other day.
0: Man, those are some incredible people, I take it back. (laughs) Thank you, JC.
2: Well, Hunter, thank you for joining us today, man. How you doing? Doing all right, guys. I feel like
3: I have had the privilege to sit on stage at the National Sword of the Lord Conference. I I, I feel like (laughs) I am being given the opportunity to sit at the cool evangelist table after a huge tent meeting. I, I... I was deciding, trying to decide whether I was going to speak to you guys or not. We were, we were trained not to speak to liberals growing up, but I've, I've already broken so many rules. <laughs> I've been so far, so far separated that, that I guess I'm too far gone. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you guys tonight.
2: Well, Hunter, you were on the fast track to be at the S.W.O.R.D. conference, to be one of the speakers, to be at the top of that world. But the Lord has seen fit to reroute your life.
1: Hey Hunter, you do know that you just did something that is independent Baptist. What did I do? You referred to yourself in the plural.
3: We we have a sermon to preach to you today. The Lord's given us something yes. for you. Yeah. Please yeah. pray you for ju- us. Yeah. We're so yeah. excited you just to hear said,
1: you. Yeah, you just said we're gonna talk to you tonight. So uh <laughs> <laughs> I had to call you on it, man. I had to.
0: It's still
2: edge still etched into it. Yeah
0: what's well, very, very fresh in you.
2: All
3: right. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, Hunter, why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about your your story, your childhood, yeah. your salvation experience, and then we'll kind of get around to the reason that we're having you on today.
3: Absolutely. So, yeah, I uh, I grew up underneath uh, uh, Pastor Dennis Carter, and he was actually a, a Tennessee Temple grad and uh, was honestly probably probably one of the the greatest men uh, I've ever known uh, we would have some disagreements on some things but he genuinely was just a, a wonderful man uh, and we were we were there with him uh, my mom was one of the first people born in that church under his leadership and so we were just in love with him and, and he passed away from cancer in, in 2009 which led us to a um, a large church in the area and uh, when we got to that particular church uh, I, began to, <laughs> I began to really hear about these, these things called mixed bathing and, uh, and not going to, to the movie theaters and uh, contemporary music and straight out of hell. And, and so I figured that maybe I had just been uh, uh, been uh, blinded from, from sound doctrine and from strong preaching. And so uh, we went there for a while, ended up going to a, um, a Bible camp one summer and made a uh, really what I, what I looking back would say was an emotional appeal. And it uh, was stirred up for quite some time and, and really later on uh, as we, we went to public school, I, I fell away from, from the Lord. Um, and genuinely, I don't believe I was ever really converted. I uh, lived just a, a wicked life uh, based off an emotional experience I, I had as a 13-year-old. Uh, but uh, my senior year in high school, uh, I genuinely came to a sense of understanding of, of my depravity. Uh, and my hopelessness without Christ, and, uh, and that was when I trusted the Lord as my Savior. My life was completely uh, changed uh, that day, and uh, so after that, I got plugged in at uh, my singing church, which was uh, in Bowling Springs, back in my hometown, and began to get deeply rooted in that. Uh, we were never particularly constantly faithful growing up in the church, so I, I wouldn't say I was deeply exposed to fundamentalism until uh, really my senior year of high school going on. And uh, really, from 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 that time forward, we became to, to be pretty deeply grounded uh, into that world. Um, but yeah, I, I'm Hunter Strength. Uh, I, I actually uh, am in the midst of, of transitioning out of our past my pastor up here in uh, in North Carolina. Uh, I'm married to to my wife uh, of over three years now, Reagan Strength, and we have one daughter uh, named Ellie who just celebrated her first birthday and. Uh, And it's been quite an interesting uh, journey, so excited to really cover that with you guys tonight.
1: Hey, Hunter, a lot of people would recognize your wife's family. Hmm. They are a talented bunch of people. I think everybody in that family plays and everybody in that family sings. Hmm. Uh, They recorded one of my – they've recorded several of my dad's songs, but one in particular, If You Only Knew, and their version of that song is my favorite. Uh, They are amazingly talented, so why don't you tell everybody – your wife's background, because I think a lot of our listeners would recognize that. Yeah. Uh,
3: so my wife's, uh, her maiden name is Rochester. And so she's from the, uh, from the Rochester group. She's from the Brady bunch. Her, her, her dad is, is Brady Rochester. And, and an interesting story, a tidbit about that. I actually, uh, when I met her, I didn't really understand, uh, what the Rochesters were. Uh, and, and so when, when this delicate little Rochester girl meets me at a camp and asks me what what do I like I had a man bun and just was quite an interesting character I looked at her and said well of course I like Metallica and uh and, and so that's hilarious speaking to a girl from the from the from the Rochester family <laughs> and uh and but she uh, she's from the Rochesters and, and one thing I love about them uh is that they are the same all the time um they they're They're always the same uh, no matter where they are. They've always been genuine, and and they they have shown that uh, consistently. I've been exposed to a lot of people in the ministry, particularly when I was in fundamentalism, uh, that were professionals that put in on a show, but they have just been so so genuine and just such a joy to be able to be a part of their family.
1: Yeah, we've spent a lot of time with them over the years, and they're great people. My dad loves them dearly, and uh, we've had time personal time with them. And uh, they're real; yeah. they truly are. Yeah. They
0: sure
3: are. They sure are.
0: So, Hunter, you just uh, talked about you know Metallica, but I, I'm interested to hear your story uh, about how you got into ministry, like your calling and the ordination. And take sure. us back to that.
3: Yeah. So, uh, really, once I uh, really surrendered my heart to to the Lord, uh, and really just just really wanted to serve Him and to preach His gospel. Um, I began to, to study, uh, particularly through First Timothy, and, and really uh, desired to commit my life uh, to uh, the ministry of the word and, and uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call what my early ministry was, if you call that a ministry of the word. And uh, so, in 2016, I began to uh, began to preach. Uh, later that, that year, I began to uh, announce my announce my call to preach and began to preach uh, from that time forward. Uh, was taken underneath um the wing of, of my then pastor and, and a bunch of the the other uh, elder preachers of that church and really that's when i began to to form what i know as my uh my old man personality uh particularly it stuck with me when i when i first got into the pastorate speaking like an old man and and, and really developing that kind of flavor uh kind of person so that's really
1: i'm glad you acknowledge yeah, that it's still
3: it's still there <laughs> it's still there i'm trying to um I'm trying to act a little bit, a little bit more like, uh, <laughs> like my age and it sticks around sometimes, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it stuck around with me and that like, like me speaking in the, uh, in the third person about myself, like, like we are doing this podcast with you three tonight. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so that's, you know, we began to do that and really was just, um, really surrounded by, by that church and, and, and a lot of support, uh, at that time and, and, and the Lord began to really do, um, quite a bit of work in my heart there and leading me to where I am uh, now, I believe.
2: So how would you define that ministry? Uh, Mm -hmm. Is that more of a King James only uh, old school fundamental group that you were ordained into?
3: Yeah. 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 So, you know, like you guys have covered before, there's so many different circles of uh, the IFB. This would particularly be what I would consider to be just the, um, the camp meeting old school, um, uh, Greer Baptist camp meeting, kind of just old, old fashioned um, uh, camp meeting. They'll, they'll tell you that they're, you know, they're they're not Ruckmanites, but if you do not use the King James, then uh, then you are not using the real Bible, and and a lot of other things like that. Um, you know, really uh, a lot high, high on emotion. That's a, that's a big thing there, uh, emotionalism, and a lot of things in that world. But that that's the particular world that I come from, and. And, uh, and it really impacted a lot of my preaching. It, it really manipulated me uh, in a lot. And I'm not, I'm not speaking ill of, of uh, a lot of the men who've invested in me, but that, that false theology there really, really manipulated my mind uh, and my spiritual walk as far as uh, if you weren't as, as emotional or as high-strung, then there was, there was an issue with your spiritual walk. But that was the world that, that we came from and uh that was that was the style that i was when i took my what is now my first pastor here at five forks
1: so hunter can you also talk us through how your ordination council was selected and and maybe some of the questions you were asked uh, what what was that what was that ordination event like Yeah.
3: so i uh i did not get ordained until i took my first pastor they uh They would not ordain us until we had already taken that or become successful evangelists uh, in that world. So uh, once I took my pastorate, I was invited down to my home church. uh, What was then my home church? uh, To sit on a council of pre-selected men. Uh, Some I knew, some I didn't know so well. And it was about 10 or 11 men that were there. And uh, really was asked just a plethora of questions. I mean, you have to understand, I was 20 years old and uh, sitting at the end of a table with about 10 other guys. And was just getting pretty grilled, but I already had the the questions beforehand. uh, So I knew what some of them were, uh, you know, uh, what's your marital status? And so the answer they were looking for would be, I am married to my first and my only wife. Uh, uh, You you would would be expected to uh, give a statement upon uh, your belief of the gospel, uh, your belief on uh, the rapture, uh, your belief on uh, translations and so on and so forth like that. And uh, I don't have it here with me. It's in the mail right now on <laughs> its way back uh, to, to return to sender. Uh, but, um, it, you know, on the back of it, it would have that if I differentiated from any of those listed questions that it would be expected that I, uh, I return that, that, that piece of paper uh, to them. Was it understood
1: that your rapture position should be pre-tribulation rapture?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that, that's a um, that's a pretty understood doctrine I would say within the world that I'm from is is that we universally they would universally hold to the pre tribulation rapture.
1: So so a guy like me who leans more toward a mid trib, that answer would have been a deal breaker.
3: I would <laughs> I would genuinely be interested to hear how that would have went had you been mid trib. Uh, given the fact that you're actually uh, if I would have met you three years ago, you would have been the first mid-triver I'd ever openly met. So if that if that gives you an idea of kind of how that might have gone.
2: So Hunter, could you kind of walk us through what has been going on with you recently? Yeah. So you you have been, as you've already alluded to. Uh, your ordination is being pulled. Mm -hmm. It's being requested. And uh, you and I have had a lot of conversations about that. I know you've talked to Brian quite a bit about that. And um, I'm just curious to know what led up to them wanting to pull your ordination.
3: Yeah, I just want to you know, kind of back up and kind of give you my story, uh, really how I led up to this place, I guess. Um, You know, I was very close and and still am in some regards to uh, the leadership of what was my home church um i was it, as lovingly as i can put i was i was falsely told that i was prepared as at a 20 at the age of 20 years old to take the pastorate and uh which i do not advise um to anyone who's 20 years old and uh but was sitting here and uh nonetheless preach very um camp meeting style messages uh, i call those um Uh, sugar stick messages or spiritual methamphetamines where you get high until you crash the next week and you come back to get shot up again. And and so that's that's, that's what I preached for the first uh, first several months of my pastorate uh, before I began to (laughs) realize uh, I should not be staying up till one o'clock on Saturday night or Sunday morning trying to come up with a cool thought uh, to preach on Mm. strawberries or some cool thought about a tree I saw unrooted out of the ground. Instead... I'm going to try this thing called verse-by-verse preaching and I was warned uh, about guys like John MacArthur and guys like that, but that was really really when things began to change uh, in my life Was when I began to notice the value of expositional preaching. And uh, about the time that I began to take root in that was actually the time that I discovered you guys and Josh Tice really led me into meeting uh, you guys and finding you guys from the get-go and that's really when things just, be- it was the perfect storm. Uh, expositional preaching. Josh Tice is that bridgeway and and you guys together at the same time uh, really began to to help me. Uh, Later on, as I began to crave uh, deeper expositional preaching for my congregation, uh, I began to question a few things. Um, I began to listen to the podcast and began to question some things about the movement. And uh, as I began to question them and and, and really to look deeper, things began to open up and, and more questions began to form. And And so really we got here. I would say the reason that I reached where I am at is solely because of verse by verse preaching. And this is really what led up to uh, really what we're talking about here uh, today, which is them pulling my, my ordination.
1: Hunter, you just said exactly the very thing that changed my life. It really frustrates me when guys say, oh, you just wanted to compromise or they've actually accused the three of us of being caught in moral failure. Mm. And because of moral failure, we are who we are now. We are these recovering fundamentalists. Yeah. Uh, by the grace of God, you know, God is, has protected me against my own stupidity. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. But it was never a desire to be a compromiser. It was never a desire to be a liberal. What changed my life was actually reading the Bible. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And what yeah.
1: was sad was I'd been preaching and never really studying the Bible. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah absolutely and, and the thing is is that we, we might be considered compromisers but i'll be honest had i not discovered this w- w- when god brought me to this place of just this perfect storm it was not that i was recovering from the fundamentals of the faith but it was that i had in my own heart had a personal reformation and had re- recovered the fundamentals of the faith and it revolutionized Amen. every aspect of who i am and um, and just in case i know there's there's a particular group of, of old friends who will be very intrigued by me being on here. I am a Bible-believing Christian. I hold to the fundamentals of Christendom. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to break fellowship with you over not agreeing on tertiary doctrines. I hold to the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And if I had not discovered expositional preaching and had these ministries not united underneath me, I would not, even as a pastor, be able to, to deeply defend them as I am called to do. And I'll be honest. A lot of the men who I personally know who have turned against me, who are pastors, will not be able to effectually defend the fundamentals of the faith, but they can defend their standards and they can defend their preferences. And so that's an issue.
2: Man. Man. Yeah, that, that is an issue. And it's it's been interesting watching the backlash as people have come after you. Yeah. Escalating up to the point of pulling your ordination mm-hmm. and demanding that back. Yeah. Um, but as as I've talked to you And you and I have had many conversations uh, You're going deeper in God's Word yeah. Learning more about true Bible historic church doctrines yeah. Orthodox church doctrines mm-hmm. And going deeper in your faith than you've ever been right. And seeing the holes in some of these fake doctrines mm-hmm. Like KJVO yeah. And uh, we're about to do four episodes on that Thanks to you setting us up with... Uh, Mark Ward, mm. and really looking forward to those things th- those episodes being released, uh, because I think that's going to set a lot of people free, but you started seeing some of the holes in these things, yeah. so what did the what did the conversation start looking like between you mm-hmm. and, and some of the people that that you looked up to yeah. who started turning on you?
3: Yeah, I began to notice um, really quickly. Uh, a lot of alluding to uh, drowning in knowledge or, or you're just preaching over people's head or, or, or they can't handle that it's really not that important uh, one of one of my favorite things that I began to receive and um, was I believe I counted that it was uh, 15 different times in, in one month in particular where things began to explode that I was called an intellectualist And in the world that I come from, being an intellectualist, uh, would essentially equate to the fact that you study the Bible as a textbook. You do not have the fruits of the Spirit. Instead, you're trying to elevate yourself upon and above the other brethren, which is so far uh, from the truth. And so, uh, really, these conversations began to be almost as though I was belittling uh, fellow brothers. I can tell you that there was one time where I began to notice really, really weird disagreements between the orthodox forefathers of the Baptist faith and what we know to be independent fundamental Baptists. And as I began to notice that and began to really try and shape my pastorate. I began to speak to other pastors, particularly some that were around me. And I remember one who had always asked me to be um, to be open with him. He wanted to be my personal discipler. And, and as I opened up to him uh, and told him just some of the things that I was noting uh, that were going on there, it quickly uh, turned into a two-and-a-half-hour Uh, bash fest where i was warned that i was going to lose my family my ministry my friends my name and that quickly uh, that quickly began to to elevate and and, and result in the separation uh, of the men who i called uh, mentors and and my dear friends and and, and that, was, that was an interesting time uh, for me, and, and that was really where I began to dive deeper into Orthodox Church history, uh, very encouraged by Athanasius, as he, as he said, Athanasius Contra mundo. you know, as he had been banished constantly for the Trinity, Athanasius just looks to them as they say, Athanasius, don't you know the whole world's against you? And he says, well, then it's Athanasius against the world. And so I made a, a clear statement to myself, to my wife, and, and really to my congregation regardless of what others think we are standing upon the fundamental truths of the word of God. And no matter if they separate from us, I will not be held accountable for holding my people to extra biblical standards. That will not be the case in my pastorate, And that, that Uh, began to be where I was, um, where I was quickly separated from, uh, no longer welcome in some fellowships.
1: But Hunter, you still believe God's
3: word. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I am, I am more strong today and more equipped to defend it than ever before, that God's Word is the inspired and preserved Word of God. And it's trustworthy, and and it's needful, and it's beneficial, and it is the Word of God unto salvation to all who will hear and believe as the means that have been worked through by the Holy Spirit. I I firmly hold to that doctrine, firmly.
1: Hunter, do you still believe the gospel with all of your heart?
3: More than ever before. As a matter of fact, I I received a text message uh, just just a few hours ago, and, and, and if I can share this with you, uh, it really just, honestly, I'll be honest, it, it, it was the best thing that I've ever received in my entire pastorate. This guy said this. He said, uh, you preaching against the traditions that our churches are so concerned with, and you preach God's word. We've tasted of the true gospel preaching of grace, and I pray it doesn't stop. I can't imagine any man will ever fully understand the gospel, but I see it in a way that I can truly say I haven't before. I, n- I now have an idea of just how alive it is. I don't know the extent of our relationship, if it is symbiotic or not, because I feel that what I've learned from you is far outweighs anything that I've done for you. And I hope our friendship continues and even strengthens. Look, when I began to study the truths of the word of God and orthodox faith, I noticed my people and those who I was able to speak of as grace infiltrated the depths of my heart and came out through my ministry. It affected those around me. I, if I could keep rambling on here for a minute I'll tell you another message that I received um, uh, just today uh, a, lady, a lady texted us and, and uh, I, I believe I probably sent it to uh, probably to one of you guys and she said this um, as I announced that I was leaving she said I've been debating whether I would uh, text you but decided I, I would she said I was heartbroken when they told me you were leaving but to be honest when you first came to our church I didn't like your preaching style at all <laughs> she said I had my feel of the IFB and shortly after losing my mom, I started praying that God would reveal to you his grace and I believe that prayer was Ugh. answered to the max. I trust that the Lord mm. I trust the Lord that your next step is the best and I'm grateful you're helping in this transition. I pray that our next pastor will be grace filled. Look, what God did was not me merely trying to be better than the next man or me trying to be popular or less Christian. This is truly the recovering of the gospel in my own life and it has revolutionized mm. me completely.
1: So, Hunter, do you have a desire to rebel against Romans 12.1?
3: Absolutely That not.
1: you wouldn't present your body holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship?
3: Absolutely not. And of course I hold to Romans
1: 12.1. So then what would motivate these men to turn on you? That's why I'm asking you these questions, because you know, I live through what you're living definitely.
3: through. And what was interesting enough is that I, 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 I still uh, preach uh, in a suit, Preached in one this morning. As much as I feel like I'm dying wearing a tie every time so- I do it, and uh, and as a matter of fact, I, I, I still have my haircut and I do have facial hair, so that could be that could be it. Mm. That could be what happened. Uh, but still, I still use uh, the King James. I still preach out of it. Uh, I still preach verse by verse through it. I'm not pulling exterior sources. I'm preaching it faithfully. I'm not sure exactly what, what I've done. Uh, we we don't even have contemporary. We still use redback candles in our church. Man, it, come on! Exa- I mean, come on, guys. Our pews are still padded. We don't even have chairs like the liberals have. We have pews, right? <laughs> and so I'm really not. I'm really not sure exactly what I've done aside from just dive deeper into the gospel of grace.
2: Hmm. So what was it that caused them to request your ordination back?
3: So. A friend of mine had apparently, um, you know, in the in the RFP page on Facebook, I, I noticed that there was a member in there from a from a very uh, legalistic church back home, and, and I just figured maybe he had um, maybe he had found you know the podcast and it it helped him, uh, but nonetheless he went and told a few guys, and and uh, these guys were considered really my best friends, and and so they they asked me, hey, what is this? And so I began to explain to them, hey. Um, you know, as a part of this, I've been, I've been following you guys and really been friends with you guys from, not the beginning, but for quite some time, and just began to explain to him what we believe. We are not recovering from the fundamentals. We're recovering from the hijacked fundamentalist movement. And began to explain to him that, that we do not reject the gospel, but we also do not reject brothers who disagree on tertiary issues. I began to explain how we're not going to separate from you over stylistic preferences or even people using faithful translations at home. And at that moment, that, that, was, that was when I knew I had messed up because after that, I, I was quickly contacted uh, as, as this man who was considered uh, one of my dearest friends began to take that to um, some other guys who were on the ordination council. Uh, and it quickly began to put pressure on my, my ordaining pastor. That, particularly that one statement, Faithful Translations.
2: So so your belief that there are other faithful translations besides the King James
3: mm-hmm.
2: was the issue that caused them to demand you to either recant from that position or to return your ordination certificate.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the interesting thing is that I was never, I was never asked what, what stream of manuscripts this came from. And look, I have been constantly told we do not stand with the Ruckmanite movement. And so if we do not stand with the Ruckmanite movement, I, I don't see a problem with, with men using the New King James or the MEV then, if that's the case. And so yeah. it really began to be quite confusing about this presupposition that the King James is the only Bible, uh, but we're, we're not Ruckmanite in doctrine. And so as I, as I began to plead my case with them and, and, and show them what I believed, it was quickly understood that uh, if, if I did not recant that, not the fact that I was using an ESV, I've never even preached out of another translation with the King James. But the fact that my ideology was not the same as theirs was more than enough for them to pull my word nation. And, you know, I began to speak with a friend of the day, and I, we, I said this to him. I said, cults do not openly label themselves as such, but they embed their ideologies in the mind of their followers by equating their ideas with that of God. Wow, and, and, and what, what we find to yeah. be the truth is that they have presupposed that there is this authority that is in the English translation. And when I began to stand up against that, as there was no proof to back this presupposed ideology, uh, I, I was quickly separated from uh, and was given two weeks to recant of my views, um, or or it would be taken from me.
0: Hey, Hunter, I'm interested what the tone of the conversations has been with those men
3: interestingly enough um, they have been totally silent I, I have received no no communication from them um, let me put in a, a little caveat here M- my pastor um, the one who, who, who called me in to speak with me was was very gracious um, throughout the process was never aggressive with me uh, was, was was never angry with me so I need to add that in there I think it's important to put in that, that he was not he was not violent towards me or aggressive towards me, but but nonetheless, as I, as I pled with him and, and told him, you, you know in my preaching I am a faithful preacher of the gospel. I hold the fundamentals of the faith and I'll die upon them. Um, th- that was not enough. Um, and so when it, when it comes to really the, the climate of, of those men who have recalled my ordination, uh, it has been total silence. Um, that day that it was told that if I do not recant, uh, they will recall my papers, it, it ended in quite an odd way as, as they looked at me and he told me that, that he believes, and that I, this is verbatim, that I will grow and am going to go on to be a great apologist and defender of the faith who is going to preach the gospel faithfully. And I simply had to look at him and say, if that's the case, then why are you withdrawing my ordination if I am a faithful brother who is preaching the gospel? Hmm. But that is simply just what happens when we're from this worldview. It's not merely enough that I am just going along with practice. My ideologies have changed. And that in itself is a threat.
2: So Hunter, I don't think I've even shared this with you yet, but that exact same thing almost happened to me. One Mm -hmm. of the guys on my ordination committee heard that I was no longer King James only. And I still will affirm everything I said about the King James. When I was ordained, they asked me what I thought about the King James Version of the Bible. I told them I thought it was a faithful translation, that it yeah. was God's word that it was preserved that it was that it was true that it was trustworthy that it was our yes. you know our, our final authority and faith and practice. They never yes. asked me about any other versions. they didn't ask me what my what my opinion was on other versions and and most of the guys there knew I think except for this one guy just assumed I was as KJV only as he was. And then a few years later, when he heard, you know, what my position was and mine hadn't even changed. He just yep. found out about it. He reached out to my dad and one of the other gentlemen uh, that that stood up for me and told them that, you know, they needed to pull it. Well, my dad and this other gentleman stood up and said, hey, he, he's a faithful gospel preacher Um, he's being faithful in the ministry, loving his family. He believes that the Bible is God's word. We're not going to do this. We're not going on this witch hunt. So that almost happened to me, but I had some men that stood up. You didn't have any men on your ordination council, which
3: it sounds like is about 10
2: guys. You didn't have any that stood up for you.
3: Yeah, I I stood um, completely alone. Um, uh, There are many men. I'm not sure if the whole council even knows or not, uh, but none, none of the men from my council uh, have reached out to me. Uh, no one has has spoken to me and to express that they know I'm I'm still faithful in the gospel. Look, I mean, even if if by chance some of the men on my council are even listening, you know, you know, I hold to the fundamentals of the faith, and you know that should it come, I would die alongside of you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not as though I have become apostate. I am stronger in the faith and in the knowledge of the gospel than I ever have been before but I refuse to bend to the standards, which have no scriptural basis. You know that they're not there. And you know that they're not worth dying over.
1: Well, you know, Hunter, it's really sad. I've listened to you preach. And by the way, you are an incredibly competent preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, you bring out powerful truth. God has given you the mind to understand deeper things and I really admire that. It's amazing to me that one of the loudest voices has been a flamboyant young evangelist who doesn't mind screaming to a congregation that depression is not even real, and that if they're suffering from depression, then it's a spiritual issue in their lives, Mm. and then he doesn't mind taking a swipe and an attack opportunity at a man who's been preaching at least three times, three and a half times longer than he's even been alive, But yet you're a faithful preacher of the word of God, and that's unacceptable, but scripturalist ranting is acceptable. Yeah. I hope I hope you can divide that in your own mind so that this doesn't create any kind of spiritual insecurity in you.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it, what's interesting enough is that out of the whole council, uh, the men who most sternly called for my, uh, my return of my papers were the two youngest men uh, on the entire council. And uh, so they would have been the generation that I would be serving alongside in the next 20, 30, 40 years. Mm. Um, and, and so to see that be the case, and it, it's been something quite interesting to, to, to know that they know me personally. Uh, they have spoke with me. They, they know uh, my love for the gospel. Uh, and unless they have them devour me, I, I believe that there is a, um, really, the, the politics of the IFB have become more clear now than they have ever been uh, mm. before. Uh, when, yeah. you have, when you have men who look at you and say this, y- if you use another translation or if you go another way, if you come to a meeting of mine, I won't embarrass you, but you'll never preach for me and you'll never pray at one of my meetings, but I'd be happy to preach for you. There comes to be a, a, a little hint there of, of politics. Why? Because in the IFB... Surely, if you have me come to preach for you, you're condoning my beliefs. But if you go preach for me, well, that church needs somebody who is who is level-headed. They need some good preaching anyway. Um, mm. Politics and IFB have become very clear, and uh, the fact that they're all silent on me now makes it very clear uh, that the reason that they're not speaking to me is because I cannot benefit them anymore.
2: Man, you good. nailed it. Politics is so problematic in the Independent yeah. Fundamental Baptist. Movement and and I think just to put the icing on the cake, Hunter, not only are politics involved in this, but these men that are recalling your ordination certificate are men that are comfortable with covering up other people's sin.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I want to go ahead and read if that's all right, my um, my my letter that I wrote to my my counsel if that's okay with you guys. Um, yeah, I address- and I think if
2: anybody. I think if anybody has a question about your integrity and your character, I think just hearing the words in this letter will clear that up for them. I think it's a very powerful statement to your Mm -hmm. integrity.
3: It says, um, Tomorrow, Danny, Committee, upon the willful surrender of my ordination papers as requested by some of you, I would genuinely like to thank those of you who still stand with me and my family as I faithfully pursue truth to the good of the church and the glory of our Christ. For years I have dedicated every fiber of my being to being a cautious and diligent student of the word and to honor those who have laid hands upon me. However, as I understand it at this time my papers are being recalled, yet I still rejoice in knowing that it is God's whose hand rests upon my call. I had surely hoped that this may have played out differently, as any listener of my ministry will quickly affirm that I not only am a subscriber to, but a staunch defender of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his word. Yet, now it seems that preferential traditionalism is going to divide us as brothers. In 2018, I made it clear that I had three witnesses in proof of sexual misconduct of one of the young preachers at your churches. However, no pursuit of correction was made, and he continues to minister with many of you to this day. This is neither here nor there to me, as my conscience is clear, since I took it to those who were then my leaders. However, I believe it should not pass by in saying that you, my ordaining committee, have made it abundantly clear that the use of another translation is a grander sin than sexual misconduct amongst your ministers. Now, this is not a last-ditch effort to call you to reconsider my ordination, but this is an open call to repent of such divisive doctrines as a loving brother in our Lord Jesus Christ. I will be faithful to my Lord, to my wife, to my ministry, and to his word, so help me God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe, Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. Amen, Martin Luther. Sign for the furtherance of the gospel, Hunter Strength. Man.
1: You know, Hunter, when you got in touch with me and you asked me, you know, what you should do about this, and I said to you that I thought it was actually a blessing that this ordination certificate had been recalled Mm. because you were holding a piece of paper with men who weren't true friends because the Bible says a friend loves at all times. Yeah. You were holding holding an ordination uh, from men that you didn't agree with, that, that you couldn't truly be in unity with. And uh, I think it's going to give you an opportunity to be ordained by men that love and respect you and men that you love and respect, uh, men that you have agreement with. Uh, by the way, you remember, uh, I think it's in the book of Numbers, You know, Joshua's name at one point in time was Hosea and then Moses changed his name, and I guess if you're Moses, you have the authority to do about whatever you want to do. When your name appears over 750 times in the Old Testament, I think you can probably change people's names, but he changed his name to Joshua or Yeshua. God is salvation. Well, Hunter, I'd like to change your name because you have a a super cool last name and uh, but I, I would like to, I'd like to change your name to True because you've demonstrated true strength, and I appreciate you having the courage to do that. And uh, you're a lot younger than me, but I have I have mountains of respect for you as a man, as a preacher of the gospel, as a follower of Jesus Christ.
3: Amen. Amen. We it's been a it's been a blessing, really. Like you like you've said, um, the amount of support that we have received. Uh, when when I spoke to a few of my friends, it was it was by the end of the week, we have had eight churches who have called and offered to uh, reordain me. And uh, and so the support that we have received. Uh,
1: go- Hope is the best
3: of those. By the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so just the support uh, that we have received. Uh, you know, it, it's I have no desire to become popular. I have no desire to become well known or wealthy. I just want to be known as a faithful preacher of the gospel. And I hope that they can understand that. Um, that any, any day, any place, any time, I will stand alongside anyone who is a faithful brother in Christ to preach the gospel. No matter what movement or what place, that is simply my purpose in this life. And, and that's really what's brought me to the announcement that I had for our, our fellowship today here at Five Forks, is that the Lord is, is calling me to go to, to Asheville to plant a church. Why? Why, why, what, why would I leave a church of people who love me? Why would I, why would I leave a, a place where they take care of our family? For the furtherance of the gospel. Everything that I, I'm doing in my life, uh, though with failure, is to try and live for the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be a man of integrity. Um, but unfortunately, when you do that and you don't play politics, it doesn't benefit those around you, and so you quickly become right. cut off in that worldview.
0: You know who's in Asheville?
3: <laughs> your buddy. I'd like to see him soon. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna see him soon, and uh, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a fun, that's gonna be a fun time. We'll, we'll to talk soon.
0: I know what's gonna come from this episode tonight. We got Nathan talking about signing Bibles at the front. Brian just compared himself to Moses by changing your name. <laughs> You're going to hang out with Sluter. this episode is going to hell in a handbasket <laughs>
1: uh, Oh man
2: yeah, yeah, I, uh, thank you. Thank you. JC. I think we needed a, a comic break there, man i was I was getting all worked up over again, just hearing this ugh. story again, man, I'm so upset at what happened to you yet, as Brian said, I think it's for the best.
0: you know, this is the first time I've heard this story other than reading it on the page the other night. I, In talking, I knew what was happening, and I knew what we were going to be talking about tonight, but I didn't understand and realize how much – is to this story. And you know, I believe Hunter got what God is doing in you right now is so much more important than what's going on around you. And we we say it on this podcast a lot and we've said it over and over again, but God is at work and it's behind the scenes that he's doing things we're completely unaware of, but one day we benefit from. And I really do believe that God is moving and and has a incredible plan for all of this. Now that you're going to see and understand, and it's just going to make so much more sense.
2: Yeah. And, and Hunter, I, if I can just pull a little thread of this storyline, uh, just from what you revealed, you, you didn't go into detail in the letter because the men on your ordination committee know the details of what you're talking about, this sexual sin that was yeah. openly dismissed and yeah. wasn't dealt with. You, this isn't hearsay. This isn't something that you heard of or, or maybe happened. You had proof you yeah, had it my, evidence.
3: It was my own sister, of course, Right.
2: Yes, one of the yeah. preacher boys was asking for nude pictures of mm-hmm. your sister and other women. Yeah. yeah. And they never dealt with it. They just dismissed it and allowed this to go on. Yeah. yeah. Yet they're going to pull your ordination certificate because you won't stand on the King, King James Version only issue exactly where they want you to stand
3: right right
0: was he ordained no okay no
3: um not to my knowledge as a matter of fact he was he was uh shortly either before or after actually uh, an assistant pastor uh, very close to where i am now though he's, he's back home so he may have been he may have mm-hmm. been ordained
2: but he was well, active man, I in would... the ministry and he was
3: serving and they right. allowed this to go on Yeah, and he still is. There was never any discipline time. There
1: was never any disciplinary actions taken. Unbelievable. Wow. Well, I wouldn't stand a chance on your ordination council uh, because uh, I preach from an ESV, a mid-trib rapture. My wife wears pants. I believe Jesus actually turned the water into wine. I mean, do we want to keep going? I wouldn't. I wouldn't stand a chance.
3: You're you're making my uvula swell getting, getting, all, of these, getting all of these contrary yeah. here. Yeah. he's here. He's allergic oh. to recovering <laughs> fundamentalists. That's oh right. My
0: gosh. Yeah. that just made my night. And Hunter's a Florida State fan. Like, this yeah. is yeah. the oh, man. night yeah. ever. Yeah. Well, it's
3: hard, hard to say that. We just got cremated an hour ago. We Come did. Poor
0: so. Dagum Michigan, man. Oh, it's man. all right. Yeah.
1: Uh, well hey Hunter, if I can give you one bit of advice from an older pastor. Much older pastor. How old
3: am I? Uh, twenty two. Yeah. 22.
1: So you're twenty two years old. Listen to me. Be your age. Yeah. yeah. When I was a young when I was a young preacher, I looked up to older men exactly like you. And I remember as a young guy going and buying uh all double breasted suits. And uh, I bought some, I couldn't afford wingtips, and so I really stretched every dime I had, and I went and bought some Rockport wingtip-looking shoes, and And I got a four-door burgundy Lincoln with white leather interior, and back then I had hair, and I combed it over to the side. And this might sound silly, but all of the preachers I looked up to, they were a little heavier And so I remember joking about the fact that I was eating a lot, but I thought it was cool if I gained weight, combed my hair over to the side, drove a Lincoln, wore suits, and years later my wife told me how she feels like in so many ways those years of our life, they were stolen from us Mm -hmm. because I was trying to be who I wasn't. It's not a sin to be faithful to the gospel and be your age. You'll only be 22 one time. Enjoy it. Be true to your wife, faithful to your daughter, faithful to the word of God, love the church of Jesus Christ, and be your age. Mm -hmm.
0: And you're going to have to edit this out, but pimping ain't easy, and Brian was making it look good.
1: (laughs) 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 Okay, that's got to be left in. (laughs) I'm kidding.
2: (laughs) And Hunter, I wanted to say this to you as well, man. I've listened to many of your sermons and you and I have had many deep conversations Mm. and you are a very young man. I I have a son that is older than you to put this in perspective and um, a daughter that's almost your age and you are a fine preacher of God's word. You are a gospel preacher. You're a preacher that searches scripture and you have a grasp of doctrines that I guarantee you many of the men on your ordination committee probably don't have a grasp of. And I'm not saying this to swell your ego. I'm saying this to commend you for being faithful to God's word and refusing to stand on tradition in the same way that you'll stand on God's word. That honors Mm. God and God's word. And when you stand as strong on tradition as you do on doctrine, that dishonors God's word. Mm. I know personally that you don't really have a problem with tradition as long as tradition is kept in its proper place. But when it's elevated to the level of scripture, that's what Jesus spoke out against the Pharisees about. Yeah. So, so man, I commend you as a gospel preacher. And the the charge that you're an intellectualist, all that does is betray the fact that they're an anti-intellectualist. Yeah. And that's one of the main problems I have, or I would say one of the many problems I have with the independent fundamental Baptist movement is that they are proudly anti-intellectual and they mock people who get legitimate degrees and that study deep theology. And we see where that leads a denomination. As Jack Treber said last week, it's on the brink of extinction and they need to carry the weight for that. So man, I respect you and look forward to seeing what God is doing in your life. And I believe you're headed in a incredibly good, healthy direction. You just had to resign your church today like I had to do recently and it's very difficult and I know you've agonized over that, but man, you're doing the right thing and you're following God's leading in your life. And uh, I honestly believe that your church would have supported you and backed you, but you feel God's call on your life Mm -hmm. to pursue this this new direction to plant churches. And I know this is a burden and man, I'm just excited about what God has for you.
3: Yeah, my, 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 people have just been here at Five Forks have just been some of the most, uh, wonderful people in the world and, and we'll miss them, uh, very much. But we're looking forward to, to going down and, and to playing that work with City Life, uh, in Asheville. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Paul's praying in, in Philippians 1 9 and he says, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. The, the basis of their agape love flourishing is in knowledge. And in yep. a, I find it interesting that in a movement that is so anti-intellectualist, they lack so much love for faithful brothers yeah. in the Lord Jesus mm. Christ. Paul said that our basis, the, the, the seed that is going to flourish in love uh, towards the brethren is in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So can, I, can I just say uh, quickly that you know, perhaps you are a part of my ordination council or, or a friend who has cut me off. Can I, can I challenge you uh, to, to study genuinely uh, what the doctrines of the faith are? Uh, to to yeah. actually ask yourself what the fundamentals of the faith are, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, it's going to absolutely revolutionize your life. And when you finally recover the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it, when you when you have your own own spiritual reformation, it will change everything completely. I assure you mm. that. Get in your Bible, and it will change your life.
0: I could tell you this: if all three of us could go back to twenty two and start over, uh, my mm. goodness. The things that we would knowing what we know now, if we only had what we knew now at your age, right? My goodness, I, I'm just sitting here thinking what would I do again if yeah. I was 22 years old and had the knowledge that you have, Hunter. And uh, man, love that wife, love that baby, uh, be dad, be husband, and uh, that's the first call. And uh, you know, you may have a you may have a big ministry, but that's your number one right there. Focus a lot of lot of attention on that. And God's going to use you in some incredible ways, bro. I know there's a generation that Brian and Nathan and I are speaking to, uh, that we'll never be able to impact other than just coming through a podcast that you're going to have personal interactions with because of your age. You, Brian's got underwear older than you. And so you're <laughs> going to be able to, <laughs> you're, you're going to, you're going to be able to speak into some lives and some folks. I really do believe God has set you up, uh, for an incredible opportunity for such a time as this to speak into the lives of a lot of young people that are going to be looking to you for some direction and uh hey keep your eyes on jesus and keep pointing them to him bro jc i'm so
1: old when i was a kid they had to sew underwear out of burlap sacks you talk about painful man
0: that was rough (laughs) i love it oh Well, fellas, speaking of intellectuals, we had the opportunity to sit down and speak with a very intelligent man a few days ago in Danville, Virginia, and coming up in the month of April, uh, we have a four-part series with Mark Ward, the author of the book, authorized and uh, we are going to be sitting down talking about the king james bible the king james version only movement there's so much that we're going to be talking with mark about and uh, i'm excited about the month of april four episodes with this guy Woo.
2: audio and video get ready man i was asleep
0: through half the videos i apologize so. <laughs> <laughs> literally hey,
1: you had a reason bud you had a reason you had Driven all night long and hadn't slept any.
0: Yeah, bless your heart. But it was some good content, and we sing a little bit on there.
2: Oh yeah! Spoiler Dude, I alert! Can't wait, I can't wait for that.
0: Oh man! Well, Hunter, thanks for being on here with us tonight, and uh, it's going to be a good episode.
3: I appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, guys, we're jumping in with Mark Ward next week. Y'all have a good one. Be sweet.